0: We're on a mission from God. Wendy. Sally! it. So I got that going. Darling. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad. On the
1: outside.
2: Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly.
3: I'm Jesse Bayless. And yeah, I'm Richard
2: Walls. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Night of the Juggler on June 6th, 1980. It was written by William W. Norton and Rick Natkin, based on a novel by... Not napkin. <laughs> Natkin. Based on a novel by William P. McGivern directed by robert butler and uncredited direction from Sidney j fury and released by columbia pictures
3: what does that mean uncredited direction
2: let's go over this shall we <laughs> uh originally the rights were purchased before the book was even published by 20th century fox for two hundred thousand dollars.
3: so this guy this writer must have had some sort of reputation if he could sell a book yes. before it was even
2: published indeed variety reported in june of 75 that mcgivern would compose the script himself which did not eventually happen for a moment pete hamill was attached to adapt the script with john frankenheimer directing but that too fell apart Sidney j fury was the director as filming began but resigned from the production for quote-unquote personal reasons in the wake of multiple hiatuses resulting from a broken foot that brolin suffered during the chase scene they had to stop down for a while and then they talked about maybe having him be wearing a, a cast on his leg for the whole rest of the movie really which he's running for 100% of
3: he's constantly running this movie i'm not surprised that he broke a foot in one of these scenes because he he is going all out on these running scenes yeah
2: but then after he came back they went on another hiatus so he shot everything that Berlin wasn't in and then when they came back he quit the show he was just like i'm done i'm done dealing with this this is too much and he was later sued by the producers for breach of contract for walking out on the film and was replaced with the credited director robert butler i also want to preemptively apologize for how often i'm going to accidentally call josh james brolin in this episode (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we start with a man reading a paper in a restaurant listening to a handheld radio Uh, he just has it propped up on the table and a waitress brings him his breakfast
3: seems like a really rude thing to do Bring him his breakfast. No, (laughs) listen to like a personal radio on your breakfast table. Yeah, it was outdoors
2: at least.
1: Well, and I thought it was part of the soundtrack of the film until he turned it off. was like, oh,
2: (laughs) I guess this is just this radio. Yeah, he quickly makes a face out of his breakfast, um, and then he drowns the eyes in ketchup, and pays and leaves before eating any of it.
3: Yeah, this is clearly a crazy man's breakfast. Yeah,
1: now. He doesn't eat it, which frustrates me. And I put that in all caps, that he doesn't eat it.
2: He over ketchups uh, it, which is uh, just a sad waste of ketchup.
1: But then something happens. A car honks. And I thought it was someone signaling him to get in the car. and Because he gets up right after the honk. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is like his co-conspirator right, and all so this. he
3: was rushed away from his food yeah, yeah. which is why he didn't eat it but was like nope no,
1: no, there's no other person it's it. just just the thing he did and, and the car honking was meaningless
2: he, and also as he's walking away he stabs the upside down ketchup bottle into the middle of the face of these these eggs with sausage brows we see lieutenant Tonelli. he's arriving at a crowded crime scene outside of a bank or something he works with the bomb squad he is complaining about the price of wedding dresses because his daughter is about to get married and he asks another police officer to pass a message along to his daughter that uh, she can go ahead and buy the dress and that he's tired of arguing about the price.
3: So I think that this is great. This is the first scene of a lot of scenes in this movie where I feel like the whole point of them is character building. Yes. In a way that I think most movies don't this cop character we don't necessarily need to know anything about his family life or his home (laughs) life and i love all these scenes where they just add these little tiny tidbits they're not long story points they're just these little moments that don't even feel you know out of character for the movie but you start to realize who all of these characters are all of these minor characters have great little backstories
2: and i also think that it is somewhat important to his character that he has daughters specifically because it allows him to sympathize even more with what brolin is going through mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's also this weird subplot that doesn't pay off
1: not that it needs to pay off sure. But there seems to be a run of puerto rican bombers
2: yeah in the terrorism. background like there's another action movie happening at the same yeah. time well
1: i think
3: that they are trying to just point out what New York City was like on any given day. I mean, not that they were getting bomb threats on every every day, but the opening of the film goes through a lot of scenes, like a portrait of the city. And I think that this is sort of reemphasizes like the the neighborhood and the area and what everyone is going through.
2: Yeah. and I, he also at the beginning here, before he goes into the building to start negotiating with these bombers, says something along the lines of "It's another goddamn New York day" or something like that.
0: And you know, I got a feeling it's gonna be
2: another goddamn New York day. Which I think might have been a better title than <laughs> Night of the Juggler, but well, it's we'll because get... you're not saying it right.
1: Right. It's Night of the Juggler. Oh, okay. <laughs> you See, say
2: well, it like now I Robert hear it. Lozier. You just gotta <laughs> Night hear it. We have a montage of New Yorkers going about their day: turnpikes, ferries, crosswalks. We see Boyd, this is Brolin's character, he's parking his truck and he's heading into an office to collect his paycheck. He is a trucker now.
3: When he goes into the (laughs) office, though... There's a, there's two women in the office and they're like attacking this rat with a broom.
2: Yeah, a rat got into the <laughs> the payroll department.
3: But like once again, we never, I don't even know if we, yeah, I think we maybe find out their names because he asked, he asked one of them for the check. But I just love that we've humanized these characters that we only see for a few seconds by having them have something to react to they're right. trying, they're being freaked out by a rat in it could have office. been a very
2: simple scene he just walks up and takes a check out of a window mm-hmm. and that's it but they they complicated it. everybody
3: they, has a backstory i think it's great
2: and i also think that even in this scene it's character building to show that this is a guy who gets stuff done and that you can rely on like even if it's if it has to be done violently like he'll take care of it mm-hmm. but he comes in and they're freaking out about this rat and he just smashes it like i'm not even clear what happened it looked like he just punched it to death (laughs) and then he asks for his check he uh he goes and he gets in a taxi tells the guy driving the taxi to keep the change i'm rich and we see ketchup man and he's calling a house from a payphone posing as a school employee to do an attendance check and verify that a girl will be in class that day because he intends to intercept this girl As he arrives home, Boyd's neighbor tells him that his ex-wife wants him to call her. He's brought with him some hot dogs that he bought off the street, and he wakes up his daughter for her birthday hot dog breakfast. (laughs) But she's on a diet. Right. And he also has a full-size candle on the plate with the hot dogs for the the birthday (laughs) candle.
1: I wanted to buy a candle holder. The store didn't have one. So
2: I bought a cake. (laughs) The second surprise here for her birthday is that he has fifth row tickets to a baseball game she's very excited about that
3: no he doesn't, no, he, doesn't. he bought the ballet
2: tickets Ballet tickets. oh
3: it, he was joking when he said oh they were supposed to be for the baseball game he actually bought her ballet tickets which is what she really wanted
2: oh i missed that
3: well later later in the film he says well, we'll she's going to be it.
2: disappointed to miss that ballet or well whatever. no he's
3: talking about spoiler alert she gets kidnapped but uh he's talking about the fact that he's like i don't even know if she's alive and all i can think about is this ballet that we were supposed to go to
2: yeah she's concerned about eating these hot dogs because she's trying to lose some weight and
1: which she's lost plenty of since the last time we've
2: seen her right what do you remember the last time we saw this girl her character was named chubby and she was in the movie little darlings was she Yeah. yeah Yeah, her character in Little Darlings was just named Chubby, and she doesn't have a lot of lines. I think she's one of the two girls who says, we love each other oh, when their okay. parents are visiting on that day. Sure.
3: I like this scene where he, so he brings her hot dogs for her birthday and gets her ballet tickets, and I think it's a great building scene for his character to show yep. what a sweet dad he is, even though he doesn't have a lot of resources.
2: Yeah, and he's also not totally... Like against the dieting or like trying to get healthier thing, because he's like, okay, well, we'll jog together to school.
3: Right. So he's supportive in that way. Like he's like, I, I'm gonna help you reach your goals.
2: Yeah, and then he's like, put these hot dogs down. You can't eat those. You're on a diet. Like <laughs> I just bought you these, but don't eat them. And then as they're uh, as they're jogging to school, he tells her, like she's like, oh, are we gonna go to like a fancy restaurant?
0: Well, uh, actually, I had reservations for two at uh, at uh, Ronald's. You know? Wow yeah mcdonald's mcdonald's for my birthday she's like
2: dad it's my birthday
0: you're gonna take me to fast food
2: he's like yeah i'm a terrible dad as they start to get closer to the school they kind of separate we see ketchup man and he's breaking into a building and running through these underground tunnels he runs up to a car that just got parked and I can't tell what he's using here.
1: He's basically yanking out the ignition lock.
2: Yeah, but it like he pumps it. Like he plugs yeah. it in and then pumps it. And well, because
1: I think that the pumping motion causes it to... It's like one of those... Suction. No, it's like one of those um, screwdrivers where you you actually... Oh, okay, to force it. it. Yeah, and, and so I think that he's doing that and just getting the ignition out because... Because in these old cars, all the ignition is is just a key yeah. lock. I mean you it, it just allows you to make the contacts with a key and you don't need it once it's out you can just make the contacts yourself
2: well he does get it broken and stolen very quickly he's watching as boyd and kathy the daughter are jogging he hops out of the car when he's right alongside them and then he runs up to her and grabs her and throws her in the car as she's screaming to her dad so because kinda, he's still pretty close
3: i think we should take it back a minute okay we missed a scene where he scouted The rich girl.
2: Oh, I didn't even know that happened.
1: Yeah. Okay. And they just happen to be wearing the exact same outfit.
3: Yeah. So what happened was... So he makes makes a phone call to a girl's parents pretending to be from the school. And this girl's parents are are very wealthy. Mm -hmm. And he confirms that she's going to be going to school that day. And he waits outside the rich girl's building and sees what she looks like and what she's wearing as she exits the building. And then what happens is he goes to the park where he's planning to grab her and sees another little girl who is boyd's daughter uh, wearing a very similar outfit running through the park and that's when he grabs her
2: okay that makes more sense because i was confused why he was so certain he had the right girl this whole time
3: they're both wearing overalls Mm -hmm. and one is wearing like a pink plaid shirt and one's wearing like a blue plaid shirt
2: okay because in the macgyver episode hearts of steel you have mayim bialik and her friend, Mm -hmm. and I think they They, literally trade their jacket.
1: Yeah, well, they're trying on clothes, and so when they get asked to leave, they just grab their stuff and leave, but the friend grabs her jacket. And so the kidnapper just grabs the one with the jacket.
2: Really, the only significant difference between that MacGyver episode and this movie is that the two girls were actually friends with each other. Also, the ending (laughs) to the episode where they kind of... It doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, so now Ketchup has the girl, and she's in the car, and boyd is shouting after them and just starts chasing them but they're right off of central park so there's not really a lot of room to move every time this guy drives anywhere he ends up slamming on his brakes right away because he's in standstill traffic as he's running up to the car uh, brolin basically just knocking down pedestrians hard yeah ketchup keeps telling the girl to stay quiet boyd is like running into traffic ketchup is just honking at people like what do you guys why isn't anyone moving well because <laughs> he's
3: literally gets stuck in a bunch of traffic and so mm. he has to he's got cars in front and beside and behind him so he literally has to ram them and starts driving off, off the road, road in the order park. to get away from boy who's running after him still and right. one of the
1: pe- people he rams is a cab and while well, the cab driver t- gets out to try to like say hey you know we need to deal with this He drives off, and Boyd tries to steal the cab.
0: What are you doing? grab my little girl. Your daughter? Yes. Get in, get in. Come on. Get in, and we'll kick his ass, the goddamn pervert.
1: This this is great, and I really was hoping that this character was going to be around more. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I
3: agree.
1: Because he's a named character, and he's an actor who I like.
3: Yeah,
2: there's a lot of single-serving characters in this chase.
3: At this point, this scene, I am 100% into this movie. Like, this was the moment. You know, we're about 20 minutes into this movie, and I'm like... This is it. I'm in. This is so good. And I was really hoping that the movie would like maintain the energy and the feel and just the gung ho, like all of these characters being just 100% willing to do exactly what you, as the viewer, want them to do in that moment. Mm -hmm. And they did. They absolutely deliver throughout the rest of the movie. Like everybody's just like, yep, that's what I do. Go do it. And then they do it. And it's great.
2: It's honestly, it's rare in, in this type of movie where you're like, why didn't he just do that right there? Like that's what I would have done yeah. and the person does what you would have done every single time. Yes.
1: Let's it's see, amazing. But I, I do have to counterpoint these these praises with that I feel like this movie should be shown to kids as a PSA of <laughs> what did this girl do wrong? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I I, that's I will true.
3: I will concede that point because the only yeah, the only thing that I would change about this movie is like half of the time that this girl is being taken away by this man I'm like just, just shout. Just shout something. Just grab onto a pole. Just be dead weight. Just do anything yeah. to slow him down. He's
2: pulling you through a crowd of people. your
3: dad is like 50 feet behind yeah. you. But also,
2: he should be yelling, that's my daughter. He's got my daughter. Stop him.
3: Yeah, yeah. But, but he's but not. He's just crowded. running. It's crowded. It's New York. Like, somebody will help you. Like, yeah. like, when you get somewhere where you're stationary for a moment, like, there's people around that'll help you.
1: She, she's way, like, she's running around. She's They're walking down steps. And- but-
3: the adults in this movie do absolutely everything I would do, and as a child, like you, totally, except for one of them, I, would I could say. totally forgive you. Well, <laughs> yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> I feel like you've given up on kidnapping other people's children for money.
3: But I'm just saying, you can, you could forgive a child for not knowing what to do in the situation sure. when you've been threatened and you don't know if this man is going to hurt you, uh, you know, and he told you to do this or he's going to hurt you. Did no you're gonna one, comply did,
1: did stranger danger not exist yet like that that you should not that you should just capitulate and not resist man do something I, I i was just getting really frustrated yeah and and i mean i don't want to be this person to say well i don't have kids so i don't understand that kind of stuff but i was just like man if i was a kid i would not be doing this i would not be okay
2: that's called victim blaming, Richard. Yeah, I do. I blame well, this victim.
3: But there's also been studies where they show that people not in these kinds of situations, you know, say, "Oh, I would stand up to my attacker, or I, you know, I would threaten them, or I would, you know, attack back." And when you're in those situations, you're instead panicking. of fe- feeling you know, anger and, you know, trying to retaliate against this person, you are in so much fear that you're paralyzed by it. And you just have to go along with whatever's happening.
2: Yeah.
1: because yeah. She well, she definitely wasn't paralyzed by the fear because she was just walking with Well,
3: him. I mean, paralyzed in so much like I don't know what to do. I can't resist. I'm not I'm
2: just sure. going to do what you want me to do. But I don't sometimes want to she does scream
1: something. for help. Well, I, we'll, we'll dwell on this too much. But it, I was angry. I was angry. <laughs> I was like, scream for help. Scream for help. Just never stop screaming. Stop just blaming the kid.
3: Never
2: yeah, but what if screaming? he just shot her because she was screaming? Did he, he didn't have a gun. He had a knife. He stabbed other people. <laughs> I'm going to shoot you with this knife. Co- <laughs> That's not what you do with knives. You stab people with knives. <laughs> yeah. What if he stabbed her because she was screaming? What if...
3: I mean at one point Then that would be
2: a bad thing her, to do
3: Her dad gets into the window of the cab what? as he's driving away And he gets stabbed
1: Yeah she, she's the one who tells him he has a knife Yeah,
3: So that's a so good
2: reason to not she scream She knew there was
1: a knife She didn't want to get stabbed <laughs> I I would rather get stabbed Than to be taken to a place where I may never come right, back from I'm
3: going to plan your kidnapping And we're going to test this yeah, out Yeah we're going to because... see if you
2: actually follow through on this <laughs> We're going to keep stabbing you all day Yeah <laughs> And you're gonna say, "I love this. I love this as <laughs> loud as you can." Thank you, survey.
1: I have another.
3: <laughs> Anyways, let's bag it up. So he gets in this cab with mandy patinkin and i am in love <laughs> yes
2: because uh he has no qualms about crashing into other cars and driving yeah. off the road no and destroying regard, his vehicle. no
3: regard for his vehicle for the law for his own safety he's just like we are gonna get this guy let's do this i will get him no matter what
2: he also tells him that he, he i think he says he won the puerto rican 500 yeah which is a thing where 500 puerto rican guys get drunk and race to somewhere in new jersey or something yeah you uh, have to
1: steal a car, and the first one who gets there. Yeah,
2: everybody steals a car. Five hundred cars are <laughs> stolen, and whoever gets to New Jersey first wins. And he won that, so he's good. And uh, but yeah, he's he's driving like a maniac, and he's he spends so much time screaming backwards out the window mm-hmm. that he's like almost crashing into people on accident. And a pedestrian runs out into the street and he has to steer away from it and just slams full speed into the back of a truck here. Uh I, I love when he's yelling he's like
1: it's like, Did you get a look at the guy? Was he black? Puerto Rican? He's like, he was white. Ah, I knew it was a white guy, it's always it's a white probably guy. probably a pervert then. <laughs> it's always white guys we were perverts. What every
2: time get? I see somebody hanging an ass out a window, it's always a white guy. A
0: okay, white guy. figures must mostly a pervert's a white guy's. No offense, but every time I catch a guy hanging his ass out the window, or janking and a in the back seat. God it, he's a white guy. I don't know what's matter with you people you must wear your
2: underwear or something <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other thing that i thought was weird he slams this cab full speed into the back of a truck and then brolin gets out of the driver's side door like he didn't get out of the back seat he got out of the front seat so i don't know why that would have happened, unless like the back door jammed or something but either way the first thing you see is is brolin rushing out of the driver's side door he goes to chase up with the car and that's when like you said he's reaching in the window and he like actually full-on catches up with them and then he gets stabbed um i'm guessing that the that car crash or somewhere in the crazy stunt driving is where he broke his leg because i think it happened in one of the in one of the car accidents but uh he, he somewhere along the way he found a pipe and he's like bashing at the windows of this of uh ketchup's car and he completely shatters the whole front windshield he knocks in the driver's side window and he gets his hands on the actual guy, the driver, who just takes off with Brolin hanging out of the driver's side window. This scene was pretty terrifying the way that they shoot it. The guy is driving full speed down the street with a, with most of Brolin's body hanging out of the car. And he keeps swerving towards the cars that are parked on the side of the road until he actually tears him off the car by crashing into this stuff.
1: Yeah, like he, he's going like, to get up alongside of a car And just let the car hit him. Yeah. So Brolin is forced to either get hit by this other car or let go of the car.
2: And ultimately he does get hit. Yeah. And knocked over the top. Yeah,
1: he rolls up over the top of it.
2: Ketchup crashes this car and then just drags the girl away again. The two of them head into the subway. Boyd sees where they're going and so he's able to follow them, but he's kind of limping now. And he has to jump over the turnstile to keep up with them. And a cop notices and tries to arrest him for it but he punches the cop out mm-hmm. and keeps chasing after ketchup. Cause it's like, I don't have time for this. Like my daughter's getting away. You're not listening to me. And so he knocks the wind out of this guy and just keeps running. He barely gets into the subway car before the doors close And then they're just chasing each other through the subway car. Mm -hmm.
3: I feel like this would have been the best opportunity for the girl to try to get help because you're in a very contained space. And it's not like this guy could get you away, but you're with a ton of people. So this would be your opportunity to be like grabbed onto this pole inside Mm -hmm. this subway car. And you just scream bloody murder that this guy has kidnapped me.
2: Yeah. But instead they keep moving until they get to the next station and catch up and the girl get out immediately. And the chase continues. Uh, when he gets up to the surface yes i'm going to keep calling him ketchup
1: <laughs> <laughs> well no i was like i'm excited for this the, outside the porno theater where he just full-on just stabs this guy <laughs> yeah
2: he he gets stopped by this busker on the road and it, it, like he can tell that this guy's angry and panicked and he still is just like hey hold on we gotta talk i'm gonna i'm gonna sell you something and he keeps telling the guy to leave him alone and the guy won't leave him alone and he just stabs him in the chest and the guy's like panicking and freaking out like he cut me (laughs) he cut like he's crying and all these other people on the street don't know how to react to this because they're like is this part of like a scam like Mm -hmm. what is happening why is this guy crying all of a sudden and they nobody's helping him so he just cries more is this where he drops whatever he drops yeah
1: yeah yeah i don't know how it happened that he dropped this stuff yeah but he dropped some things and and uh one of the women who work at this uh place yeah it's a it's, porno theater yeah porno theater dance club gentleman's thing but she <laughs> she just decides to pick it up and just take it with her i
2: guess yeah
3: gentleman's thing <laughs> yeah
2: there's These never been gentlemen. a gentleman well i mean that's the there's never been a bigger misnomer than gentlemen's club Ketchup steals a work van from a construction zone and uh, just books it back down the street. Boyd sees a guy that's preaching on the side of the road with a bunch of papers like piled up all over his station wagon. And he just gets in the driver's seat. But the preacher notices I'm doing it and hops in the car before he can leave. So now he's driving with this preacher in the passenger seat and he's telling him, that you're breaking a commandment like (laughs) i'm gonna get you to stop i just
3: love it because he just keeps doing all the things that i'm like just take a car steal whatever the closest car is that you can find what what he doesn't do though is
2: drive very well
3: very clearly tell everybody what he's doing this man kidnapped my daughter i am chasing him yeah he keeps saying uh he's got her he took my girl
2: (laughs) yeah so he keeps driving like this the two of them are right alongside each other the station wagon in this and this van and then they come up to another truck that's moving across the street and there's only enough room for one car and the van makes it through and this <laughs> brolin just crashes the station wagon full speed into the side of this truck and this poor preacher is just
3: well, he's having an asthma attack he's yeah. literally using his inhaler and in
2: the no car no one's wearing their seatbelts yeah so he was already dying <laughs> and now he's covered in blood and he's sitting in the car as Roland gets out, and he's like, "Oh, now I gotta get, continue this chase on foot." And the preacher's just sitting there, bleeding from the head in the passenger seat, going, "Jesus does save."
0: Jesus does save. Sweet Jesus saves.
2: See, and then he dies. This
3: throwaway character—he doesn't
2: die. I'm he? assuming.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but this throwaway character that didn't didn't require this backstory—we get so much with so little. We know that he's. I don't know what you call the people on the street that push religion on you, but he's one of those crazy (laughs) and he's got asthma and he's got like, there's all these character development things that happen. So we know that he insured
2: his vehicle. Yeah.
3: There's so much, (laughs) they cram so much in for these characters that don't mean anything. And I love it.
2: Yeah. Um, uh boyd tries really hard to total the car that his daughter is in before this crash though it kind of bothered me how fast and hard he's hitting it like it seemed like he was trying to drive it off the road and flip it
1: well and i was concerned in this chase because there was like so many uh corners being rounded that once he starts ramming the van they stop showing interiors of of ketchup man and the daughter and i was like oh shit he's got the wrong van
2: (laughs) oh my god that'd be crazy because
1: they they're doing everything they can to not show the the guy driving's face or at all yeah just the van it's like oh he's interesting got the, he's got the wrong van and then but then they do a wide shot and you can clearly see like a bigger passenger and a little passenger in the van it's like okay well
2: then there they are but i you, didn't even notice that they had they'd kind of cut away from that for a minute long yeah, enough for it to be scary when,
1: once gus enters the van with kathy you never see them inside the van again who's gus <laughs>
2: ketchup, uh, man. <laughs> ketchup man we get a quick shot of uh, Lieutenant Tonelli stopping at a frozen yogurt place. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like the way that Tonelli talks to people because he's not he's not concerned with like embarrassing himself. And he's very like, all he thinks about all day is money, it seems like. <laughs> so he walks to this place and he's like... So how much money do you guys make a week? Like, my, my son-in-law wants to open a frozen yogurt place. How much money do you bring in? And the guy immediately off the top of his head knows. He's like, oh, it's like four or $5,000 a week. Everyone's perfectly willing
1: to, to answer his questions and humor yeah. him. And they actually get offended when they can't finish their stories. Yeah.
2: But he's like... <laughs> He's like, oh, this actually tastes pretty good. And he's like, well, yeah, it's lower in fat. It's better for you. And he's like, so how do you make it? And he's like, well, they take a bunch of milk, right? And they let it go bad, all curdled, lumpy, and sour. And then they add bacteria. And he's like, bacteria? You mean like a disease? And he's like, yeah, kind of. It's like germs and mold. And so that (laughs) grows in the milk. And he's like, all right, I'm done. He just turns around.
3: He throws the thing down and and walks out. And he's like
2: spitting it into his hand what he already (laughs) ate, even though he liked it.
3: It's the best description of yogurt I've ever heard.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um. <laughs> so and uh
1: there's this, a futurama joke
0: when, did they do something like that
1: yeah because like they're getting they're getting an inspection done and they look in fry's locker and it's just a mess and the woman the inspector goes
0: why is there yogurt in this cap i, I can explain that uh, see it used to be milk and well time makes fools of us all <laughs>
2: <laughs> but about here is where uh Tonelli first gets the call that boyd is going crazy um he's at the hospital now from that last car accident we see ketchup walking uh, kathy through a series of like demolished buildings this is like an area that they're trying to gentrify and i think what the plan is is when you demolish these buildings you leave the rubble there so that people don't move into the space so they just leave all these piles of rocks where buildings used to be so they're crawling over all these rock piles to get to his building and uh, he's complaining to the girl that all these billionaires don't care about the neighborhood and he spouts a lot of his uh his racist problems with uh mm-hmm. with what's happening with the area
1: it sounds more like he doesn't
2: care about the neighborhood <laughs> yeah
1: well
3: he he does he thinks that they're purposely that the billionaires have a plan
2: that to, they're like paying people to move in to right bring down they, the property they
3: want the people that he considers undesirable to move into this neighborhood and then and then the neighborhood goes
2: it's super cheap and then they yeah buy it super all cheap
3: and then the millionaires can buy it all up and raise it all to the ground and put their own condos there because he's actually a building owner like when we're saying go into his building he he's the owner of that Mm -hmm. he used to have a bunch more buildings here and
2: the price of it is just dropping precipitously but
1: i also get the feeling based on his rants that he probably wouldn't want people of different races in his buildings. oh for sure
2: yeah um but he's also repeatedly blaming her father as he's dragging her along and she's like i don't understand what this has to do with my father he's you know he he's not a billionaire he's a truck driver and he doesn't have a lot of money and my name is you know kathy boyd and he's like oh sure your name's kathy boyd oh that's real good you think i'm you think i'm an idiot you think that you think you're so smart you're gonna trick me into just letting you go like i got the wrong girl or something and uh here's where he touches on the title maybe the only time Mm -hmm. and he says that uh, all these billionaires they juggle the books and but now he's going to be the juggler because he's the one keeping things in the air and making money for himself and that's that's the extent of the juggler metaphor for this entire movie which i feel like if you're going to adapt the book you either flesh out the metaphor to explain the title better or you change the title yeah because this the book wasn't even out yet but maybe
3: it was in the book more
2: That's what I'm saying. Then you have to include it in the movie more or you change the title and don't worry about it because it's not like the book had a built in fan base. It wasn't, it wasn't even out yet before the movie was made. And there's plenty of movies that are based on books that have different names than the books. He seems 200% well, sure that he's well, got the right on. girl.
3: You, you complained about the juggler part, I assume. I want to complain about the fact that it's Night of the Juggler and this entire story takes place during the day.
2: Well, the very, okay, very, very end. The very,
3: very last scene. And takes that's place his that night.
1: But it's his night.
2: This uh, is juggler's night <laughs> and the feeling's
1: right. I, I was so upset that there was no credits for that song at the end. I was like, I want to know who wrote this song. <laughs> <laughs>
2: when his back is turned she makes a run for it but he takes his time chasing her because he knows she can't there's nowhere to go and he's just shouting yoo-hoo like being playful and creepy as he chases her she hides in one of the nearby dilapidated buildings and is approached by basically a wino who's like hiding in this alcove and she says there's a guy here and he took me away from my dad and i'm trying to get away and he's like oh i'll bring you somewhere safe and this is where uh, ketchup finally gets to like do one nice thing <laughs> which is like it's nice for one of these two people he tells the guy to back off and that he's scaring the girl well and the guy did offer to share yeah you yeah.
3: know they could have a party and share and share. he's got
2: a nice bottle of whatever um hobo juice <laughs> <laughs> hobo
1: spirits
2: <laughs> yeah and uh but uh ketchup realizes what's going on and he gives him multiple warnings like you can step away i'm giving you this opportunity to leave us alone and eventually the guy steps forward and they break this bottle and he's there's a fight over it but ketchup spins the guy around with an arm around his neck and stabs him in the chest with this broken bottle and kills the guy and then he just takes the girl away and he says don't ever try that again a lot of terrible people live around here yeah (laughs) the
3: kidnapper (laughs) killed the rapey guy but I don't know how great this is for her.
2: Uh, we keep cutting back to the van that he stole, and there's like a bunch of local neighborhood kids like picking the van clean. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the point of this is because he doesn't care about the van, and we never go back to it. Well, but I think that just to show that it's a reemphasizing
3: neighborhood. the neighborhood being but undesirable. But
1: also, no one's going to find this van, right? So if if you were hoping that the police are going to go, oh, who parked this van here illegally? It's been stripped it's and it's gone. Stripped, there's yeah. there, there's no. There's no way of identifying whose van it was. Sure.
2: Boyd is in the hospital still, and he tries to sneak past a cop by throwing like a lab coat over his head. Um, but the cop stops him on his way out, and he's like, hey, where do you think you're going? And he's like, I, I got to go get my daughter. I don't know if you heard what happened. He's like, yeah, I, I can't let you go. So And he knows not- and he knows this guy. They know each other. Right, because um, I don't know if we said it before, but Boyd was a-, a cop previously. He was laid off, and that's why he's now a trucker the cop is arguing with him and he says well i feel sorry for you because you're gonna have to shoot me in the back if you think i'm just gonna stop willingly and go with you but he ends up getting arrested on his way out of the or out of the hospital anyway
1: yeah i felt really bad and 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 the nurse apologizes too because or the doctor i i feel that's sexist of me to say that she was a nurse i don't know As she as he's trying to leave she goes hey
0: Hey, mr boyd i found a cane for you
1: boyd sean boyd hold a second there please detective fogarty you're under arrest
2: it's like Aww. oh they were really trying
1: to help and she even says i'm sorry when he when he gets arrested yeah
2: we see Tanelli again and he's arguing on the phone that a caterer is not necessary for the wedding shower especially since he has four daughters that he expects to marry off almost all of which he can remember their names (laughs)
3: yeah i love that like it's just it's another great character building moment we realize he's got a whole bunch of daughters that he's gonna have to pay for weddings for
2: and he cares the least about michelle we know (laughs) he sees this arrest happening at the door to the hospital and he takes custody of boyd this is where we first learn that boyd is a former cop (laughs) we get this clip of ketchup on the phone and he calls the house of the the girl that he intended to kidnap the woman answers the phone and he tells her if you want to see your daughter again not all chopped up in pieces you're going to give me a million dollars and she's like i'm sorry i don't understand and he's like i'm going to call back and then he hangs up but luckily she didn't say you have the wrong kid he turns around and he offers kathy some ice cream but she says that she can't eat it because she's on a diet and this is where we start another very disturbing subplot that he's in love with this girl basically he's like i bought this ice cream for you you don't need to lose any weight you you look good with some with some skin on your bones and uh, he talks about how his dad used to call his mom like like she had some flesh on her and and that made her more attractive than all these skinny girls who he said looked like men
3: so this is where i started to see some similarities the character that he's playing his mannerisms and i mean even the plot uh reminds me of uh vincent gallo in buffalo 66 sure yeah because you know he kidnaps this girl and he starts to fall in love with her and just the you know he's sort of down on his luck kind of guy and you know even the accent is kind of similar that's
2: true
1: it's called reverse stockholm syndrome (laughs) yeah (laughs) where you fall in love with your captor or as me that's like a florence nightingale situation
2: yeah but uh either way he's he's very flirtatious when he's telling her that she's perfectly attractive and doesn't need to uh to diet for anything uh we see sergeant barnes played by dan Hidea at the precinct where tinelli is trying to get boyd booked and he notices him from across the counter and he's like oh hold on i got this guy i'm gonna take care of him and then I, Boyd I was looks-
3: super confused when we first introduced this character because of that reaction because he just has this, crazy. He has this look on his face. His eyes are just wide, and I cannot tell what emotion he has yeah. in, in mind here because – i don't know if he's like this is my best friend and i'm gonna go give him a hug or i'm going to murder this man yeah
2: and it seems like boyd noticed him first because boyd's got his hand over his face (laughs) like he's like totally blocking himself like oh god no please don't notice me and he's like yeah i'll take this guy and uh and he walks up to boyd and he says hey we're gonna go we got to go fill out your processing paperwork and he's like
0: what the fuck are you pulling tinelli said said, said, don't mean shit around here
2: and he's like, I hope to God I was going to see you again. And then he drags him off into this side room. See,
3: I was still confused at this point because I was like, oh, maybe maybe they're really good friends and he's helping him out and he's going to like get him out the back door. <laughs> and then he pulls him into the side room and just starts wailing on him.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think of a time where Dan Hedaya didn't play a complete psychopath. So I was pretty sure this was going to end poorly. Remember at the end of Clueless no. when he murders that girl?
3: He's not a psychopath in that movie. He's a um, wonderful man.
2: Anyway uh so he drags boyd into this side room and through his complaints to boyd we learn that the reason that boyd is no longer with the police department is because he's a whistleblower and one of the people that he narked on was this cop who apparently was like molesting prisoners and this guy's really mad at boyd because that got him in hot water with his wife he still gets to be a police officer though so that's nice <laughs> but the two of them argue for a while and then it devolves into a fist fight uh, even though Boyd is trying really hard not to fight this guy, yep. but uh, eventually he's like, "Okay, fine. I guess I'm not gonna. I don't have any other option. I got to knock you completely unconscious here." Very quickly turns the fight around, drops him on the ground, breaks a chair over his chest, and because he's a police officer and knows his way around this precinct, he's able to like sneak out a back door. But as soon as he gets outside, his ex-wife is pulling up because they told her to come down to the station to talk to him, and he just tells her, "Get back in the car. I'm gonna get in the car with you. Pull away slowly." That they start driving down the street, and she wants information what's going on, what happened. They said that they had Kathy, and uh, immediately she's outright blaming him for her having been kidnapped ever since the divorce. That he lives in this shitty neighborhood, and everything would be fine if she just stayed with her mom. They scream it out for a while until she's completely in tears, and he's just like, Just pull the car over, just let me get out of the car. He's like shouting at her, calling her a neurotic bitch, and everything. But at this point, she's not even arguing back. She's just yeah, lost she, the will to fight about it.
1: Well, she's just in just a complete panic about yeah. her kid, but also just being yelled at by this guy who, who is now getting very angry and calling her things. And it's just like, ooh, what was the grounds of this divorce? We don't know yet.
2: <laughs> the grounds of this divorce was that he wasn't making any money because he refused to put up with what the police were doing to prisoners. She's mad at him for losing the cop job and he that kind of comes up here he goes to the window and says you know i i obviously i would i would still be working as a cop if everything had you know gone by the books and people had been doing the right thing and she said oh you couldn't look the other way you couldn't look the other way for five seconds while people make money everybody's trying to make money in the city and uh this is where we realize that she's a terrible person and she's mad at him for doing the right thing and so he tells her, you know what? Why don't you just go and stay with your sister for a while, and I'm going to handle this.
1: Yeah, that, that and that was a weird thing to say. Go stay with your sister. It's like, what? Doesn't she? I assume she has her own place.
2: Yeah, I think. But I just think meant she needs to be someone. Comforted in this Mom. time He's of like, need. He's like, I don't have time to help you. You go find someone else that can help you, and I'm going to help Kathy because I don't need anyone's help right now. I'm just trying to do something. We cut to the interior of the the actual rich families home i don't know what you would call it. they own the whole building that they live in and sweet sweet sure and uh we established that it takes two minutes to trace a phone call Um
1: i
3: like it because he wants to test the line when yeah. they, when they say that and i don't really understand how tracing you know phone calls work because he dials out to his home Mm -mm. and then says okay i want to try it out and he dials out to his home and he starts talking to his wife about wedding plans for their daughter again yeah and and he's like okay cool this worked great (laughs) and i'm like wait how do you know because first of all you haven't been on the phone for two minutes you didn't ask the guy
2: what it sounded like
3: oh okay because i'm like there's no he didn't even give you your address
2: (laughs) yeah but it's funny too because when he's talking to her he's like he's like careful careful there's people listening in (laughs) and then uh and then you could tell that she's asking for some other thing that they need to spend more money on for the wedding, and he's like, "Wrong, goodbye," <laughs> and he hangs up the phone. Wrong, goodbye. I just love that as his like catchphrase because multiple times when he's talking to them, he's like, "No, no, we're not. I'm not even supposed to spend any money on the on the wedding shower. That's not supposed to be the the father's job. I'm, I pay for the wedding, and we don't need we don't need all this catering. We could just." Give him pasta and uh, and crackers or something <laughs> like that, and then they keep trying to get more money. And he's just wrong, wrong. <laughs> goodbye, and hangs up the phone. Yeah. So they're sitting in this room, and now that it seems like the trace should work fine, he stands up and he's like, "All right, well, I got to get head back to the station." And the father of this family, who their kid hasn't been kidnapped, their kid is in the room. It's not that big an emergency for them because there's a bunch of cops in their house and their kid is fine, but the father says wait where are you going and he says i'm headed back to the station we got four bomb threats today from this the mad puerto rican bombers that are going all around the town and he said well aren't you assigned to this case and he's like yeah i'm assigned to a bunch of cases <laughs> what does that have to do with anything and he's like well look i pay more taxes to the city than everybody in your whole precinct does any a year so
0: i think i'm entitled to some consideration meaning what
2: look if i don't care if you know somebody higher up if if you do ask him to give me a raise because i don't have time for this it doesn't help me that you know these people i'm gonna head out and he starts to walk away and that's when the phone rings before he can even leave the apartment which i was hoping he would just be like while the phone's ringing he's like all right anyway yeah just uh you guys handle that i'm gonna head down to the station (laughs) but the phone's ringing so he stops and he comes back the mother answers the phone and it's ketchup and he asks her if she has uh what is it Prince oh, albert prince a can. albert in yeah. a yeah do you have prince albert in yeah. a can
3: I, I, my note at this point was rich person joke question mark
2: <laughs> no it's it's the joke is supposed to be you're supposed to call a store and ask if they have prince albert in a can you don't call an individual's house mm-hmm. and ask when you call a house you ask if there are refrigerators running and then when they say yes you say well you better go catch it but would you you're supposed to call like a tobacconist or a pharmacy and say do you have prince albert in a can which is a tobacco product And then when they say that they do, then you say, well, let him out. he will suffocate. And then you hang up. And that's a hilarious joke. But it doesn't make any sense to call an individual's home and ask if they have it.
3: Is that what it is? I thought it was some sort of dessert.
2: No. Prince Albert in a can is it's like a chew tobacco. Oh, okay. I must confusing
3: it with something else. Because I was like, is this just something that only rich people would have? Why does he think this is so funny? That's why
2: it doesn't make any sense to call (laughs) them. But he's just a like Bart Simpson all grown up, and he thinks it's funny to prank all these people in the middle of this. But it reminded me of when I fell in love with Dwayne the Rock Johnson, which is when he hosted Saturday Night Live the first time, and he played Superman. Do you remember that sketch? Mm-mm. So he is Clark Kent, and uh, he's at the Daily Planet, and he, you can see like the Superman suit like peeking up out of his out of the neck of his shirt, and everyone keeps like asking him questions about Superman because everyone in the office knows they're all just pretending they don't know that he's Superman to see how he screws up these questions. Like for example, at one point they're like, oh man, I heard that Superman's totally gay. And he's like, what? No, I heard he's like a really straight guy. I mean, sure, he experimented a little back in Smallville, and they're like, oh my God, I was just joking. But uh then at the end they they're like, oh why don't we why don't we play a prank on him? And so they call his desk. Uh, somebody says
0: Uh, hey everybody I just heard over the police scanner a tobacco store downtown has Prince Albert in a can. someone's kidnapped the prince Uh, 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 boy uh, I'm tired I I think that I will uh, go to bed now okay then Clark we'll we'll tell you what happened to the prince oh I think he'll be just fine (sighs) Louis just fine
2: and then it just cuts to like this newspaper spins to the camera and it says innocent tobacconist murdered (laughs) it's just a picture of Superman with his arms up like oops (laughs) but uh that sketch kills me Tanelli takes over because he he's pretending now to be the father of the child and the kidnapper knows who mr clayton is but he doesn't like know his voice apparently luckily because this guy sounds nothing like the, the man he's impersonating and he says he's talking very slowly because he's trying to stretch this call out long enough to trace it and I timed it, by the way. It was two minutes and five seconds. So it should have been long enough to trace yeah, the call. Yeah, especially
1: but, with that Prince Albert in a can bit. Yeah, yeah right.
2: But they they did not uh, successfully trace the call here. He tells him, oh, how do I know where – he says, what are you going to do to my kid? Or how are you going to get my kid? That's what he says. Mm-hmm. How are you going to get my kid? And he says, well, I'm going to I'm gonna cut her up. Like he misunderstands the question, like yeah. how are you going to hurt my kid? And uh, he says, I got her sitting right here in front of me. He's like, oh, you got her right there, huh? how do i know you have my kid um and uh and then he realizes there's definitely a kid here but he just grabbed the wrong kid on accident and it should have been obvious at this point but he hasn't put it together that this is boyd's kid well he he does he does after the phone call yeah yeah he's still very confused about it and trying not to give away that they have the wrong kid because if this guy realizes he's got the wrong kid he'll just murder her here in this house and leave mm-hmm. like if, yeah there's if no not benefit get...
3: for him to keep her alive anymore. yeah
2: because yeah. no one's going to give him a million dollars for someone else's kid which is part of the plot of that macgyver episode that suddenly mayan bialik is like but dad it's my best friend and he's like well when i thought it was you that was kidnapped i was ready to pay the money but it's not you it's somebody yeah. else's kid that's not my responsibility but the police still give him the money yeah but we don't know what the deal is with that money that's true are but... you
3: talking about the macgyver episode
2: No, this the, the
3: oh, sub- well, this isn't real money.
1: Do they do they say that? Yeah. Okay.
3: There's a there's a it's really subtle. They're actually um when they're putting the money together, one of the cops is um burning one of the bills. Oh. And and they're like, "God, ah, guys, cut it out, you know, like stop stop messing around with that stuff." It's because it's fake money. Okay.
1: I, I I saw that and I didn't understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. Thank you. thank you
2: for your service
1: no I, i i i i am putting it together now
2: at the end of the call he says well why don't you put her on the phone And he's like like hell i'm gonna put her on the phone and he hangs up and he's like you know what he's got a girl there i bet he's got boyd's girl and uh we cut back to barnes who uh is following boyd because boyd is still en route from the police station and he's headed to the porno store where he saw Ketchup drop something that the girl collected, so somehow Barnes knows exactly where he's going, and maybe maybe he said earlier when he was talking to him like I saw I saw him drop something at this yeah he parlor. did say that yeah. yeah okay so that's that's how he knows where to go but Boyd gets there first obviously um, and he goes inside and he puts his quarter in the in the booth and the window comes up and he's talking to this new dancer and trying to explain what happened this morning but she's not listening at all because. They probably try very hard not to listen to anything that the people are saying to <laughs> yeah. them. Um, and he notices the girl that he's looking for, like, two booths over. And so he goes to the next booth with his next coin and puts it in and tries to get her attention. Oh, man,
1: I would not be handling those phones. Yeah. Like, he's just so quick to pick pick it up and put it to his, his ear. His
3: daughter is missing. Yeah.
1: <sighs> When his you ear, have
3: children Richard you will his understand his ear is going to
2: be you missing, missing tomorrow your, <laughs> when all the diseases on that phone you will put your I'll face on anything ear for to get your
3: kid back.
2: <laughs> But uh, so he finally gets to a phone that's closer to the the woman that he wants to talk to but it's still a different girl in the same chamber that's talking to him and so he tells he tells her I need to talk to that girl over there and finally gets the message through what's going on um, and this the shorter-haired girl who actually picked the thing up off the street comes to the phone, and she's like, oh, he's got your girl? Oh, that's okay. You'll find another one. And he's like, you know what I'm saying. And it's like, I don't think she does. No. Explain that your daughter was kidnapped. He took your girl. Yeah. Oh, poor
0: baby. do you'll find another one. Hey, goddammit, you know what I'm talking
3: about. Hey, <laughs> start the using right the word words. daughter. Use the word kidnapped. Girl. It implies kid.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but the girl puts the phone down on the other side and walks away so he puts another coin in and it's the the girl that he doesn't want to talk to again and he says no get her you i have to talk to her go get her and she says why don't you get her yourself and then she puts the phone down and walks away from the window which i don't think you could do he paid his money you're supposed to stay by this window naked (laughs) but he notices before the window closes completely that he he notices this guy's working in the back of their their chamber where they're stuck Chamber. i don't know what would you call it this capsule glass case of emotion <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so he walks around through like an employee entrance and finds the path into this room where these girls are dancing and he grabs the one with short hair and starts shouting in her face to get this information and to get this this clue that was dropped yeah. outside I think this is
3: the only moment where I don't think I would have done that because this is asking to get yourself murdered walking in there. Like, they have bodyguards at these places like nobody's business. I don't
2: know what other choice he had other than just keep putting quarters in and trying to get the same girl back on the phone, and it seemed like they had given up on him. So the other option would be to just hang out by the door until she came out at the end of the day. So I think this was probably the right move, but he is immediately getting beaten down by security and thrown out but they also call police like right right as this is happening and barnes is also getting there so barnes by himself is in one car and a a squad car of police is coming at the same time and right as he's getting thrown towards the entrance he sees the cops coming and so he leans against the wall and kind of covers his face so the cops all run past him and before he completely leaves the short-haired girl comes back with what was dropped which it turns out was a medallion and uh, like a dog license or like some kind of pet license which for some reason she felt like keeping i don't know why he would have kept it but i thought
1: it was worth something and somehow in all the commotion understood why he was there and what was going on and she was playing
2: dumb earlier i guess and but either way now she seems to understand what's happening and she's like here's here's what you were asking for yeah i don't know what inspired this change of heart but he turns around and he's like okay well i'll take this dog license to a shelter and Maybe they'll have an address on file or something.
1: Now now is when Barnes just opens fire into the crowd. Oh, yeah. my
2: God. Uh, this movie Barnes, is insane. <laughs> Barnes pulls up, and he parks his car, and he just jumps out with a shotgun, and is just running around like a crazy person. He's he's in plain clothes. He's not wearing a police uniform, and he's just leveling this shotgun like across the street and shooting it at, like he Crowds blows up a hot dog stand. Crowds of people. He's firing it into storefronts and all kinds of stuff eventually he gets stopped by another team of police officers who are like what are you doing you can't just shoot that shotgun like that well
3: they're about to arrest him and he pulls out his badge and then suddenly that makes it all okay but it's like that's crazy they wouldn't let him do that he
2: would be in the back of one of these cars after that yeah it's
1: insane all the stuff that was happening in this scene because he he keeps telling him to stop but then shoots anyway. Yeah, like, when like, he stops. It, like, if Boyd had stopped, you would have just murdered him, so...
2: Yeah. And even when the cops pull up, they're like, what did he even have? I didn't even see a gun. Like, were, you weren't shooting at an unarmed person, were you? Because that's obviously against the rules. Like, yeah. you can't do that. We see Tanelli speaking with a guy about coordinating a rescue attempt. Ketchup has decided that the handoff will happen at this rock and roll concert because it's a crowded venue that he thinks he can sneak in and out of covertly. The guy is telling Tonelli, well, this is perfect. There's these high points where we can stage shooters. And he's like, no, I don't know if you heard. There's a kid involved here. I'm not going to put a kid in the crossfire. Well, just aim a little higher. Well, then we got to aim
0: a little high, you know?
3: Well, what's happening here, though, is that we have two different factions here trying to solve this problem. We have the guy that's getting pressure from... The, like the mayor's office yeah from the mayor's office who is obviously trying to appease the rich family because you know that guy is concerned that his daughter's gonna get his, kidnapped next. yeah that his daughter is in danger and they want to take this guy out at all costs like he doesn't care about this other little girl just take this guy out so he's no longer a threat to my right. family and then we have Tonelli who's like
2: Dude, we could we, just arrest him do this. and not put this girl in harm's way Yeah,
3: we have we have to we have to just protect this child i don't care who's paying off whom
2: yeah and uh the two of them go up to the high point in the in the stairwell nearby and he says why don't you give my people a chance to take care of this before your shooters come in and cause a massacre he's like if you start firing a gun around here there's going to be a riot and he's like "Eh, these kids are all doped up <laughs> nobody's gonna riot
3: though he does he does right here say to the musician who's going on stage no matter what happens just keep playing loud <laughs>
2: <laughs> we get more an extension of this creepy subplot uh with ketchup telling kathy to go put on a dress that he has so she comes out wearing this like purple dress that's obviously way too big for her and does he say it was his mother's dress or yeah something? it was his mom's and uh, he tells her she looks really pretty in it she tells ketchup that her dad was a policeman and that he's confused and he thinks oh now you're trying to scare me into thinking your dad's a cop like you're wasting your time i'm not going to fall for this we see boyd getting to the animal shelter and he's trying to get information from this dog tag and the two people there are being pretty helpful and they they manage to like dig out this paperwork that might have an address on it but before he can fully get into it uh barnes is there because i guess he heard from the stripper that there was a dog license involved i don't i don't i'm not clear on how he knew to go to this shelter uh yeah that's unless he literally followed him the whole way there which is possible but i i think he must have gone back to the parlor and talked to that stripper um and was like well i don't have the information but i know where he would go to to translate this dog tag into an address so i'll go there and meet him there he he storms into the office before they can give uh, Boyd the paperwork with an address, and he has him at gunpoint and is walking him back to his squad car when Boyd, like, spins around and pushes him over a fence, which is at waist height on this side of the fence, but on the other side it's, like, six feet tall. Mm-hmm. So he goes completely over the fence, but his pants catch on the top of the fence, so now he's hanging upside down into a dog cage. and And these dogs dogs, are just being yeah they're very aggressive dobermans and rottweilers and they just run up and start chewing on his arms and legs and and he's freaking out they're biting his face and eventually the the guy who runs this shelter is able to get over there with a hose and wash the dogs away from him but uh he's pretty messed up and boyd is like suggesting that they call an ambulance for him
1: and that's the last we see of him yeah
2: he's, he's <laughs> not in the rest of the movie that was that's that's Hideo's presumed exit. dead yeah um but maria the woman who is running the shelter or an employee of this shelter uh, is very invested in the story and decides that she's going to go with him so so him.
1: invested is is she in the story is that she's in the imdb synopsis
2: yeah
3: she's totally adorable i, yeah. I love when she she's comes. gorgeous yeah yeah she's and i was hoping that there was going to be like this budding relationship happening there they don't really take it anywhere but it, yeah. she's totally adorable but when she comes in she's like so she's so invested in helping that she's like uh don't worry about the overtime i already clocked out like she's yeah she's, she's literally doing this pro bono right she's just ready to help because she really wants to find this little girl
2: yeah
1: uh, like my next note i was like what the hell did i write this note like they run afoul of a puerto rican gang <laughs> yeah <laughs> And I
2: was like, why did I write it that way? That sounds like the way you talk. Um, Very suddenly they are surrounded by this Puerto Rican gang uh, who I think they're originally just like catcalling the girl even though Brolin is with her. Well, Well, that's why they're mad at her.
3: They're they're really mad because it's it's one of their girls that Mm. he's got. Oh, okay. So they're chasing him because they don't think that's right. It's a West Side Story scenario. But
2: immediately he pushes her into a cab so that he can get her to safety before he starts dealing with these guys. And he does the classic like punch one guy, turn and punch another guy, and kind of push yourself back from this crew and uh, immediately starts running down the street to this cab that's still driving away and she opens the door for him to hop in. But the gang is in pursuit. Ketchup calls Clayton again and tells them that uh, he's gonna he's gonna have a knife to the girl's throat tonight when he goes to get the money, so don't try anything stupid someone drops something in the room while they're trying to trace this call and ketchup gets really paranoid about it he puts the girl on the phone so that she can beg for her life it gets real for everybody there and i'm sure the guy that knocked the thing over got chewed out as soon as this phone call ends Um, we go back to boyd who is now at the address or near the address where ketchup lives and he's talking to some of his neighbors
3: you know he found the address and name of this guy at the dog place maybe we could use his name instead of ketchup now
2: we learn right here what his actual (laughs) name is so i can now officially replace ketchup with colonel mustard no uh yeah gus zoltig is the guy's name but some of his neighbors know him as mole man because he works in the tunnels under under Central Park oh, and he's no. <laughs> crazy.
3: So do you think, I, I was wondering if he is just crazy or if his if his family did own a bunch of property over there and that's what his grudge is. Because I could imagine that he's also just a total crazy person. Yeah, he doesn't none actually other, none own of, that building. None of that stuff is true. Yeah,
2: he's just living in that building and yeah. he's been living there since his mom died. That's totally possible. Um, I don't know why he waited until now to kidnap a guy's daughter i would have done that a long time ago
3: i would have done that (laughs) please don't kidnap people
2: uh the street gang catches back up with them so boyd starts running full speed towards what they pointed out as mole man's building um now he's mole man uh they chase him through the wreckage of all these destroyed skyscrapers and boyd actually spots mole man and his daughter as their uh
3: <laughs> i was a little confused by the fact that they were running uh away from his building now because he's like hey i'm gonna meet you guys at nine o'clock you bring the money
2: it's very early
3: and then it's yeah it's still broad daylight and and he's like literally running as fast as he can with this girl not even having known he was being chased yet he's running as fast as he can with this girl
2: i think they have to move fast in public <laughs> because I he's worried about someone i think they just
3: more suspicious to be running through a pile of rubble with a little girl that's
2: probably true (laughs) but boyd sees them and he realizes that's that's the mole man and his daughter and uh then the gang shows up and so he's in a very uncomfortable situation they pull a knife as his daughter is getting put on this train and it's pulling out of the station and so he climbs out over a ledge to get away from this gang but one of them climbs down after him and so the two of them are on this like very narrow lip of a platform on the outside of the railing and he kicks the guy down and I'm pretty sure this guy dies. Um he
3: just lays there when he hits the ground. Yeah, Yeah.
2: he falls flat on his back on concrete and probably dies, but immediately there's a bunch of police showing up because I guess they're kind of trailing him in Mm -hmm. general. Um but also to deal with this murder. And uh Boyd kind of bluffs his way through the cops
1: yeah pretends like that he's like undercover and one of the cops are oh, you plain clothes guys with your long hair and your beards
2: yeah um but him and maria get on either side of a squad car and then he tells her to just get in <laughs> <laughs> and then he drives it off before he leaves he calls it in on the radio that the the kidnapper is on this train with his daughter and uh, while he's calling this in on the radio some of the other gang members are like grabbing really roughly at maria yeah but he's not doing anything about it like he's he's looking directly at this happening and doesn't seem to react to it at all he's busy it, it just bothered <laughs> his me a little daughter bit. has
1: been kidnapped
2: patrick yeah. but you, you got two hands you got one for the radio and then one to punch the there Are
3: other cops around here they should be dealing with this but either
2: way it just bothered me a little bit that he's looking right at it happening like at least have it happening behind his back or something but uh either way he calls it in before they steal this car and uh Well, he's
3: he's not calling it in. He's trying to find Tanelli. Tanelli, and he to let him know, right? And he finds out that Tanelli's on a stakeout, and he's like, "What do you mean stakeout?" And they're like, "At a concert, you know." And and so, like, he gets all this information as to where he's supposed to go now. And so
2: now he knows probably where, where Gus is going with his daughter,
3: right? But he knows that they that he's got extra information that they don't have.
2: Yeah, but he pulls up in this police car at the concert and Tanelli's, like. I got to arrest you, man. Why'd you come to me? Like, this is stupid. We're going to do this over and over again? I'm trying to get your daughter back. Can you just give me a break? And he says, this guy, he works in the tunnels. He's going to come out of that tunnel. Your sharpshooters aren't going to do you any good because, you know, they're high. They're under the ground. They're under
1: the ground. Bert, they're under the ground.
2: They're under the ground. It's a Tremors reference. Yeah, I got it. You can't get penetration even with the Alpha gun. (laughs) Speaking of gun, Gus shoots a guy. Gus shoots a guy? Mm-hmm. When yeah. does he shoot a guy?
3: Yeah. So he comes up. He uh, he makes his way through the tunnels uh, with Kathy. And he, oh, right. And he comes up after they've made the money drop. Yes. Uh, to steal the money. And, the, and uh, right as he's doing that, Tonelli's calling in to warn the, the guy the, that's inside the building that's going to shoot the guy if he walks in. Uh, he's he's calling to warn him, and the radio goes off, and so he he turns Gus turns around and, and shoots the guy, yeah, and, and actually hits him.
2: Um, and then Tanelli runs in to help the guy that got shot, where Boyd goes down to pursue
1: after picking up the guy's gun.
2: Yeah, Gus into the hole. This is where, as he's running away, Gus shouts, "I'm gonna keep her! I'm gonna keep her!" And he's like doing it in this sing y way.
0: gonna keep her
2: her. according to the imdb trivia the line here was originally i'm gonna fuck her and they were like that's way too dark for this movie yeah (laughs) which i feel like so dark in fact that i don't even believe that was the original line But, well,
3: I think we had to sell that he was actually a juggler, so we have to have these clowny moments.
1: <laughs> yeah, but
2: he's he's being very jokery. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He's, he, I, I, that's one of my notes. He's like he's got a fantastic Joker laugh.
2: Yeah, he does. Um, but uh, Tonelli's talking to this injured shooter while uh, Boyd is following them into this tunnel. Kathy is begging the guy to let her go and she says she won't tell anybody but it's like we've already established that he knows your name and address and everything about you that you're not going to go anywhere Um,
1: well also that they already know everything about him so she doesn't need to tell anybody (laughs) because they already know
2: but he's also completely trapped in this fantasy now where he's like oh you don't understand your father's just going to ruin things for us and then he leans forward and kisses her and she's like why'd you do that (laughs) like she's like hasn't even noticed that he was interested in her romantically until she did that I yeah guess.
1: and there was a whole subplot not subplot but there's a couple of times where she keeps bringing up that a boy will never kiss her and i
2: was like oh so that was like, oh is... that's sweet she, this is gonna be a really fun <laughs> conversation when people ask you about your first kiss later oh <laughs> well catch up the mole man kissed me in a cave once <laughs> my next uh, good notice <laughs> gus blows off some steam yeah uh boyd is closing in windows are fantastic for this movie zolting is shooting at him repeatedly but he's either bulletproof or very fast and uh yeah mole man opens up the steam and i think it's like literally just boiling hot steam and yeah
1: but then boyd just starts opening fire into the steam cloud it's like yeah Your daughter's in there dude
2: yeah he doesn't <laughs> seem to care a whole lot but he grabs this big piece of metal he like breaks a metal door off of uh some sort of a cabinet here that is housing some electrical equipment and he uses it like a shield to run through the steam which actually would move around the object pretty easily because it's gaseous and uh but he runs through all the steam and uh mole man rigs this open pit to electrocute him not clear on how this entire thing functions but somehow Boyd falls right into it and is electrocuted but manages I to. he is well he's getting zapped when he lands in it
3: is he oh, okay but I he mean, gets know, out of it i know that there's zapping happening but i thought he hit something into there like he didn't go in but something went in there and so they thought he was being electrocuted i
2: think we see him fall into it at first and reacting to being electrocuted but then we cut to the girl just hearing the electricity sounds and we're supposed to think that this terrible thing is happening to this guy but it turns out that he somehow he landed in it in a way that he could actually get out of it. And he does. Boyd gets to him and just starts beating the shit out of him in this huge caged room.
1: Yeah, like, they, they have a fight, but one of their... One of their both both of their signature moves is to choke each other face wise, like they, they have their hands wrapped around <laughs> each other's faces and yeah. they're just squeezing the faces. Yeah. It's face that, that a face squeeze.
0: That's a typical an effective move. Fighting move. Yeah, yeah. It,
1: it, it's like it's like the the mountain fighting uh, the guy in Game of Thrones, where yeah. just crushes his skull.
2: <laughs> but uh, Mole Man loses it here. He starts swinging this chain. It's very dark. It's hard to make out what's happening here. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Mole Man seems convinced that given the choice kathy would choose him over her own father and uh as soon as boyd realizes that he's that crazy he tells her oh just climb that ladder and leave and she's like well he's got a gun and he said he's gonna shoot me it's like yeah no he's 100 percent in love with you so you could just go he's not gonna shoot you because he's in love with you and Moleman pleads with her to stay but he's just like just go climb on up to the top and just climb out and you'll be fine and uh and he's right she climbs the whole way to the top and out and eventually mole man turns to shoot boyd but he's out of bullets boyd finally puts the guy down with uh, with his second gun that still has bullets Mm -hmm. and uh as they're climbing out of the hole kathy says
0: i still don't want to go back to mommy
2: so she's just like (laughs) so you know even though i got kidnapped this is still better than the average day with mom
1: (laughs) this is still better than living in connecticut
2: (laughs) and i kissed a boy and that's the end of our film uh, I said before, director Robert Butler uh, took over from Sydney Fury. He uh, Most of his credits are like TV stuff, Hill Street Blues, Remington Steel, a bunch of episodes of Magical World of Disney. Sydney Fury, who took over, has much cooler credits. Uh, he did uh, Iron Eagles 1, 2, and 4. Yeah. He directed Ladybugs. Oh. Wait, so he didn't do Aces? No. Uh, Iron Eagle 3? <laughs> is that the best one? I've never seen any of those. <laughs> I
1: mean, Iron Eagle 3 is the the is a it's a good one they're all kind of cool
2: okay i need to see those eventually maybe we should do a podcast where we watch every movie that ever came out
1: (laughs) we we did a center marathon of all yeah i missed it that was the one i chose i I think it was on super
2: bowl sunday or something when you guys did that oh was it there was something like that uh the ladybugs he directed that movie nice (laughs) um he directed the appaloosa and he directed superman 4 which is a, that's quest a peace. quest for peace mm-hmm. that's a, and that's actually a golden globus production um the writer here uh william norton he wrote white lightning and gator that double feature that i keep talking about sitting down to watch mm-hmm. um he also wrote big bad mama one and two with angie dickinson
3: those sound promising
2: yeah the other writer rick natkin he doesn't have a lot of credits but he appears as himself in a documentary that's currently shooting about sydney fury and about his career hmm The novelist William McGivern, he has story and teleplay credits on Kojak. Fritz Lang's Big Heat was adapted from his Saturday Evening Post serials. And he also wrote the screenplay for William Castle's I Saw What You Did, which, as you would guess, is very similar to I Know What You Did Last Summer in terms (laughs) of plot. But it's like, it's not like, oh, you murdered someone. It's like, oh, you were trying to play a prank and someone got killed on, on accident as a result of your prank. James Brolin here is Sean Boyd. He was... John Blaine in Westworld, George Lutz in the first Amityville Horror, he's Charles Brubaker in Capricorn One, and he's Thanos' dad, (laughs) and a lot of other stuff. Julie Carmen was Maria. This was her first feature. She'll be back later this year in Gloria as Jerry Dawn. She had an appearance on the Fame television series. She was Regine Dandridge in Fright Night Part Two. She's Linda Stiles in in The Mouth of Madness. And in 2000, she was actually reunited with Cliff Gorman, the titular juggler, for a movie called King of the Jungle. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's still working, um, but. Uh, she really is gorgeous. She looks like she could be, you know, a Bond girl or something.
1: The character of Styles it was the one that, that stood out to
2: me. Was, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, Styles. What, what year is that movie? That's in the like Mouth of Madness? 94. Oh,
3: it was much later than I thought.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a while. Richard S. Castellano was Lieutenant Tonelli, he was Clemenza in the Godfather movies. Uh, he has the famous line leave the gun take the cannoli Uh, he was played by bruno kirby in the second film's flashbacks and uh, what a weird it's a weird choice yeah and apparently he was a nephew to paul castellano who was the gambino crime family boss for a while linda miller was barbara boyd here that's the ex-wife she plays veronica van cook in too many cooks (laughs) <laughs> that was the only credit i thought was worth bringing up barton Heyman plays Wait, the preacher hold on Sorry. when you
3: say too many cooks are you referring too many cooks okay just double checking too
2: many cooks can't <laughs> spoil the broth
1: it takes a lot to make a stew
0: a pinch of salt and laughter too a scoop of kids to add the spice a dash of love to make
2: Barton Heyman played the preacher uh he was Dr. Klein in The Exorcist and Dr. Rifkin in Cruising earlier this year um Abby Bluestone was Kathy Boyd the girl that was chubby from Little Darlings and this is her second and last IMDb credit so she didn't work after these two movies maybe this one was too traumatizing who knows dan hedaya was sergeant otis barnes um i like him in blood simple i
1: like him in everything yeah. that he's in like he, i don't really know any bad dan hedaya no parts. It's,
2: there really isn't and he basically plays the exact same character in clueless and night at the roxbury i'm convinced that steve and doug butabi are just like step siblings of share from clueless because he's just like a rich dad who lives in beverly hills and is embarrassed by his children in both movies <laughs> he's in like the adams
1: family joe versus the volcano alien uh which which alien movie is he in i think he's in alien uh resurrection yeah you remember fatal fatal farm that the weird like visual effects animation fatal frame fatal is it fatal frame or fatal farm i thought it was fatal farm
2: or is it fatal frame i think fatal frame is a video game I think you're right, it is farm, but maybe it's
1: Yeah, like it, they are like like visual effects artists. They did I, this I know w- the Star Trek ones that they did. Yeah, but they did this really great one where it's the opening to the monsters, but every time one of the characters comes up they just stab Dan face on it. And it kept saying, it just says kept saying as Danada as uh, such and such. <laughs> so <laughs> and they, they
2: put his face on every character? From the monsters, yeah, That's from the awesome. opening.
1: And I was like, Oh, this is
2: this is wonderful. <laughs> now I want to see that we had mandy patinkin in here as alessandro the cabbie see and Um, he had a name i know
3: this is absolutely the best character in this
2: entire movie for someone who's on screen for two and a half minutes oh we didn't mention the other cab driver
1: who helps him too. the the woman like she she helps him out a lot too i don't remember that uh towards the end
3: she's the one that drives him away from the gang that's attacking yeah oh okay and she takes them to the right neighborhood right and gets them helped out and,
2: and she's explaining to him the the socioeconomic situation and why they hate him yeah yes uh mandy patinkin was obviously inigo montoya and in princess bride he's saul berenson on homeland and he was 88 keys and dick tracy and, um,
3: and my favorite role of well not my favorite role of his because my favorite role is obviously the princess bride but aside from the princess bride i love him in dead like me yeah it's great oh, it's that's a great right. role he was mm-hmm. like
2: the guy who was teaching him the ropes yes and exactly yeah. Tony Azito was the peep show cashier, which we don't see much of him, but he played Digit Adams. Do you know who Digit Adams is?
1: I, I imagine he's one of the Adams family. He's one the, of the
2: Adams family that is at the, the dance when they're trying to the like. The mamushka? Yeah. Um, he's the one with really tall hair and four arms. Okay. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I pulled up a picture of it. I was like, oh, I totally remember this character. Uh, Richard Gant was the cop at the hospital who caught him trying to sneak out with the – with the stuff over his head he played melville in mindy project which you watched some of right yes he's like a guy who's in charge of like keeping track of their money and their expenditures at the hospital and everything um sure he also played hostetler uh he played hostetler in deadwood
3: oh Uh, yeah yeah
2: and uh he was jackson in hood of horror which is a credit that we share (laughs) because i did video assist on that movie that snoop dogg horror anthology thing um, he plays the older cop in Big Lebowski <laughs> when uh, when he's talking about, the he's like, I wouldn't art. hold that much for, hope for the tape deck.
0: Or the credence. He's the one who talks about <laughs> yeah. the
2: credence. Um This was his first role, actually. Um, Robert Hodge was the police sergeant, and he was also the desk sergeant in Windows. I think he's the one who gets the call from Talia Shire, and she's like, oh, tell him I called, and then hangs up like,
1: uh, who called? I'm wondering if he's an actual police officer.
2: I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Cuz sometimes like when these when they play m- more than one, like, I don't know, it role. it feels
2: like when when you get cast as a cop you're just going to play a cop forever mm. and you probably like have some of the uniform or some of the regular stuff and they're like oh. you like
1: reginald l johnson <laughs> yeah exactly
2: ghostbusters and- but he actually was a cop people forget that no that's not true uh steve inwood played deets i don't know who that was in here um
1: he was the the trigger happy guy at the concert who was like i'll put a couple of my shooters up
2: there and we'll get them in the crossfire okay um he played francois lafitte in fame the guy who uh molested coco um he also played martino in cruising so we've had him twice already this year church ortiz played gang member so we all remember gang member right <laughs> he played luis in defiance uh he was one of the grocery store robbers in hero at large and uh he'll be back as worker number one in xanadu later this year so it's like four extra roles but we just happen to have covered most of them um he'll also play flacco in police academy too uh steve ryan was the fifth avenue cop That's the cop that meets him outside of the bank or whatever at the very beginning of the movie when he's telling him, oh, tell my daughter that she can get whatever wedding dress she wants. Steve Ryan played J. Walter Weatherman in Arrested Development. That's the guy with one arm who tells, like she constantly uses to prank her children. If
0: someone had left a note, this this innocent man would still have his arm, why? that's why you always leave a note
2: uh robert weill played the hot dog vendor um he's a mailroom boss in hudsucker proxy Hmm. and he plays bobo in moonstruck
1: oh so uh, i wonder if he's the one who's uh okay i know i know which one he is now in like hudsucker i i had to run through some of the characters in the mailroom (laughs) because one of those characters is blue you're my boy blue
2: yeah um ancient sorter i think is his credited yeah and then oristis Matassina is the man at the peep show he's uncredited but he plays the mafia don nico in the mask that's the guy who's like dorian's boss who owns the coco Bungo club Mm. and then dorian turns on him at the end when he gets the mask uh
1: but uh also uh we didn't talk about gus cliff gorman the the oh right man yeah did he have Uh, a lot of other credits uh he has a lot of credits but i don't really know any of them yeah i think that was Uh, why i left him off yeah like all that jazz he was in ghost dog uh oh really yeah the uh, jim jarmusch one with the yeah. uh, forest exactly um but yeah like other than that like i didn't really recognize too many things like things that stood out like a lot of tv and uh but yeah the i guess ghost dog would be the one that people would know but i, I don't remember I him don't in know that.
3: that movie
2: it's good it's it's forest whitaker is he's basically thinks like he's a samurai like he's read into all the teachings of the samurai and he's trying to implement them but he lives in america and present day and uh it's interesting it's worth looking at but yeah i enjoyed this movie i think it's it stayed very fast paced the whole time um and it stays believable pretty much the whole time
3: yeah that's that's the thing that i like is you're right. It's super believable. I think that is a credit to the fact that we do all this character development with all these side characters. Everybody feels like they have motivations and they make the kinds of choices that you are going to make if you were in this situation. Uh, so it's just, it's a really fun movie where you're, you're high, high action, uh, high drama, Uh, good acting it's well shot i honestly wish it had a blu-ray release because i was really disappointed at the end when it's so dark you can't see what's happening it's like we need a good scan of this
2: i also think that uh, it would be really hard in in most situations to make it believable that a person could slip through the hands of the police department so many times on the same day but because he's an ex-cop and because he knows his way around these places and he's developed these relationships with these different people every time it happens you're like yeah, that, I could see that happening in the real world. It, a combination of just the directing and the and smart writing, I think, really makes makes everything work really well. It would be really easy to screw this up. And w- we mentioned it before, but the way that MacGyver episode ends is really disappointing. Like, they try to make it as happy an ending as possible. So not, not only does the guy not get killed, but he's getting arrested at the end of it. But the his qualm isn't that his building is going to get destroyed. It's that the the rich father laid off a bunch of factory workers we never see the poor the poor girl's family we just see the rich girl's family really i mean we see them momentarily but it's mostly dealing with the rich family and the the existential quandary of oh do we pay to save this other these other people's kid but not only do they pay the money and arrest the guy but the father agrees to reopen all the factories that he shut down and operate them at a loss because his daughter was like but you promised that murderer that you would reopen the factory before he went into the police car he's like yeah but i'm not gonna do that that's dumb sweetie (laughs) and she's like well you should do it anyway and he's like okay fine and so he agrees to do it at the end of the episode it's just like oh great you gave a bunch of people their jobs back temporarily (laughs) until the all the companies go under but um but this this handled it better, I thought. Just kill the guy. <laughs>
3: much better, Andy. Much
2: happier. Up or down, Jess?
3: Oh, it's a big up for me. Honestly, yeah. this is... I would say this is the second surprise gem of the year. Because this... And I'll say that... I mean, there's other movies in 1980s I think are better than this. But this is a surprise gem in so much as I had never heard of this movie before we watched it. I never heard anybody talk about it. I, the title was not familiar to me and
2: i I I, guarantee you in six months we won't the title will still not be familiar to you (laughs) you'll remember the movie
3: that's probably true but i went into it with zero expectations and i i it took me 20 minutes in to just totally fall in love i think this movie is fantastic
2: yeah
1: richard oh boy you guys are gonna hate me i was not in love with this movie no um uh I, i thought it was okay i really don't think it's a watch uh that's fine
3: Richard does not have children.
1: Um, <laughs> I, I am going to rank it much higher than you think in the overall. Because I uh-huh. did enjoy it. So it's going on the top of my list. Yeah, but um, but is it a must watch? I, I, I don't feel that it is. I, don't. I
3: was I on the if, edge of my seat for most of this movie. I think if
2: you enjoy the Taken movies, this is a good precursor to that franchise.
3: I haven't seen any of the Taken movies. Yeah.
1: And you I only could... need to see one. <laughs> Taken the 3. The third one. <laughs> Speaking right. of character, I wanted to bring that up because because you're right about the character development because in Taken 3, Forrest Whitaker has this amazing character who is always, whenever he's deducing something, he's got a chess piece and he's always holding it. And we're always like, what's the story of that chess piece? I can't wait to find out. You never find out. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like, I, and he's always got like a rubber band that he's if like you want, I can tell
2: you right now, he just brought it to set with him and decided that was a part of his character. Yeah,
1: and I can see Forrest Whitaker doing that as an actor but it was really frustrating as an audience member to want to know what that meant
2: i don't know if it was his choice at all but my my favorite like character uh thing that forrest ever brought to a movie was in uh good morning vietnam when he keeps like driving the jeep backwards wrong (laughs) like the joke is that he just keeps screwing up every time they get in the jeep but um i just remember every single time it makes me laugh but uh he's great so where does this go on your list richard
1: uh, I am gonna
2: put this uh it's a it's a thumbs up for me by the way I didn't say that before I, but uh, I, I enjoyed this movie uh, I'm gonna put it it's a little bit above middle
1: um I think I'm gonna put it between Tom horn and the mountain men
2: okay so below Tom horn so we're breaking up the westerns a little yeah. bit yeah Jess uh
3: so I put this pretty high right now it is in let's see one, two, three, four. Oh no I clicked a button.
2: <laughs> oh God, you're not supposed to do that.
3: <laughs> it's in seventh place for me, or sixth place for me, uh, which is between, seventh place was right, between Forbidden Zone and my brilliant career. So it is just below Forbidden Zone and just above my brilliant career.
2: All right. You know, despite my thumbs up, this I, I think it actually goes pretty low on my list just because I really like a lot of the stuff in the top half of my list. I think this goes uh, just above To All A Good Night and just below Death Ship for me.
3: That's not very high for you.
2: No, it's not super high, but I I actually liked both of those movies. So um, I think the problem is that I like like 85% of my list. (laughs) It's really (laughs) just like the bottom 10 that suck. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's about it for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Up the Academy! the first and only i think feature film produced by mad magazine which imdb describes like so four boys are sent for different reasons to a military academy the life of discipline asks a lot of the four geeks of course these boys know how to make a party out of the hard times will they be real men after one year not a question mark (laughs) thanks imdb Uh, We leave you now with the trailer for Up the Academy.
0: From the madman who started it all, Mad Magazine presents Up the Academy. Welcome to Weinberg Academy for Boys, where cadets are in the hands of the most gifted faculty in the nation. Say it again. Mind, sir. Say it again. Mind, sir. Say it again. They will learn to function in an atmosphere of freedom.
1: Jeez, I don't remember the barbed wire in any of the brochures.
0: Shorts collection. They will develop basic skills of survival. I was just on my way to the laundry. Why don't you slip out of your little undershort? We're gonna do our laundry tomorrow. They will be provided with intense intellectual stimulation. Smooth to the touch, but highly explosive. Any questions? But tensions from the classroom are often relieved on the playing field. Here, team effort is emphasized and individual accomplishment <laughs> is applauded. <laughs> Cultural activities are of equal importance. Hey, Ash. I and I social intercourse with members hey, of the opposite sex is oh. <clears throat> encouraged. Oliver! Uh-huh. Good <laughs> evening. With our instructors always setting the example. Do you like it when a gentleman ties you up? What? You know, with rope. This then is Weinberg Academy, where young men of good character are prepared to meet the future. Mm. Don't you know why you sent here to the first place? Because you're outcast. If you can qualify, we invite you to apply. Remember, the men who change the world have to graduate from somewhere. <laughs> From the madman who started it all, Mad Magazine presents Up the Academy. Yeah, man, that's us. Get it up, a bus. From the tail of sport, there's one thing I can trust.